show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey friends, I'm sitting down to talk about Pluto in Aquarius, and I am humbling myself before the task in that, you know, I'm greatly anticipating this ingress and I have been swirling in my ideas and thoughts about it and I wanted to create something formal like an offering about it a write-up and I was like wow these are very big ideas how do I possibly organize it and I felt like I would be able to communicate and transmit my ideas best through my voice and um through just looking at my notes and speaking to you here. So Pluto is going to enter Aquarius on March 23rd, 2023. It's going to, um, you know, not be there very long until it goes back into Capricorn. It's going to be retrograde. It will re-enter Capricorn in June. So it's just March, April, May, June, a little bit of time, June 12th, 2023, and then it will re-enter Aquarius January 20th, 2024. It's going to have another dip back into Capricorn for a short period of time, and then it will re-enter Aquarius November 19th, 2024, and stay there until 2043. So it's a 20-year a transit that's about to begin. And part of what is really exciting about it for me is that Pluto is one of my main teachers, right? Like direct Pluto school. You may know that I teach an evolutionary astrology intensive that it's been running for five years. It's about to be offered again under the new name Dragon of the Moon and Evolutionary Astrology Initiation. So Pluto is a really central archetype within evolutionary astrology. It looks at astrology from Pluto's point of view. And so along with understanding natal charts from a Plutonic perspective, it's also been apprenticing with the Plutonic, right? And so the Pluto element of life is the soul. It's our deepest nature. It's our core essence. And It also is our deepest security, or rather our deepest attachments, the places that we place ultimate security, often in things that are not ultimate, right? Like we place ultimate meaning on a relationship, a job, um, a certain hope or dream. And when we experience um, the rug being pulled out from underneath us, some kind of loss, we're thrown into an initiation of Pluto, which is that of finding a deeper bedrock of security or of meaning, um, of intimacy with reality, 
when it's gone for the thing, it's gone for the jugular, the thing that, you know, is our most sensitive or vulnerable point. So it's a little bit of a tightrope process with Pluto because we're both drawn to our desires, right? And then we also experience death and rebirth and the most intense psychological complexes and drives and compulsions and everything around it. So I've been experiencing Pluto, working with Pluto um, consciously since it's been in Capricorn. I started to really get into evolutionary astrology in 2012. That was during the time where Pluto in Capricorn was square Uranus and Aries. So this will be my first Pluto ingress that I get to witness. <clears throat> that being said, I of course experienced Pluto through my own Pluto and Scorpio placement, and then I have encountered different Pluto generations and, you know, really have spent time with so many people, so many charts, you know, whether it's Pluto and Libra, Pluto and Virgo, Pluto and Leo, Pluto and Sagittarius, and so on. Um, but this is going to be my first time ever to really get to interface with Pluto and Aquarius as an energy, right? And eventually also as um, humans, um, seeing how they grow up and what the Pluto and Aquarius generation will be like. And for this um, share, I'm going to be talking about some psychological or experiential dimensions that I'm anticipating for this transit or that I want us to just even start a conversation about um, some of these ideas. You know, if we're talking about like gaining a deeper intelligence on the nervous system, this particular episode may not be an in-depth lesson on the nervous system, but it's a pointing to a place that you can explore further. So I'm wanting to illuminate the map and show, you know, some broad themes, but this is a 20-year transit, so this won't be the last time we talk about it. Another thing that I want to say is that outer planetary transits often speak to social and collective themes, and they will characterize the zeitgeist. However, the personal psyche is not untouched. It, too, is penetrated by the times. So for the sake of this um, podcast, we'll be exploring the upcoming transit of Pluto and Aquarius as a psychological influence. For an exploration of cultural themes, though, I suggest Catherine Urban's Pluto and Aquarius article series, which I'll leave linked in the notes. And we're also going to have Catherine on the podcast soon to talk about her research and her ideas. I will briefly announce before getting into um, Pluto and Aquarius that you know, I invite you to come study evolutionary astrology with me. We're starting in February. The prayer behind this program is to connect you with your own astrological channel, to give you the tools to really deeply know the archetypal energies of the signs, planets, houses, learn um, aspect theory, learn how to put it together, learn how to read charts, um, but to get a grounding in astrology in such a way that you can really just deepen the relationship with it for the rest of your life. This is something that I encountered the first time I studied astrology with a teacher, having gone from being a self-studied you know, hobbyist to then working with an astrologer for the first time and just getting the download getting the transmission. Um, and so the way that I teach 
I really emphasize the mythopoetic and the archetypal. Um, and then I'm also really have like a hands-on approach in terms of being very present with my students, being available for questions and helping you with the technical parts and being in conversation with you. Um, but my intention, my kind of pedagogy is to help you have your own literacy set of connections. And then Pluto-based astrology, evolutionary astrology is about the evolutionary journey of the soul. It's about who we've been in prior lives, the nature of our soul and how that is a ripple, a wave into our current life and what the spiritual assignment of this life is. Um, honestly, it's nothing that you wouldn't already feel as deeply familiar to, um, but it's a language that helps us get really deep in touch with that core essence part of ourselves and to also really inquire into the depth kind of psychology that arranges around that deeper truth within us. So often people who come through this program, they get more than they really bargained for because there's a lot in the class that's beyond the imagination. We're really communing with the planets and building relationships with them and the outer planets. And so it is a very spiritually expansive and emotionally healing experience, I'm often told. Um, and we get to bond as a group over the months that we spend together. And I really love the communities that form. So if you're feeling called to study astrology and you resonate with my teachings, with my forecasts, and you feel like you'd like to learn with me, then I invite you to apply to Dragon of the Moon. I'll leave the link in the show notes so you can learn more about the course, the details, what we're covering, um, and you can apply there. Pluto in Aquarius. First, what is Pluto? If you want to keep going into this question, I released a podcast episode just before this one. If not, a few episodes back. I'm not totally sure. Um, that's an introduction to Pluto, so you can keep getting into it if you want to keep, keep on this question. But let's talk about it again. Pluto represents nature in its most raw, primordial form, right? Kali, the volcano, the life and death birth process. It is a rippling teleological force behind evolution, right? It has an energy. It's headed in a direction. It has a purpose. It is an alchemical undercurrent. It is the deepest soul essence within us, underneath the personality and the mechanisms of personality. When we suppress it, this deep energy of nature inside of us, it grows distorted. As we ally with it, it promises to transform and awaken us, right? So Pluto is like, we have raw energy that expresses itself um, in this life, in childhood, in prior lives. And then sometimes we experience these setbacks or these forms of feedback from reality that have us feeling thwarted or ashamed of who we are, right? Like when... Um, a child is expressing themselves and their art and someone doesn't pay attention to it or insults it and the child is like, oh, you know, and like puts that part of themselves inside. Um, so Pluto, I think, is really working with, okay, what is that raw, just pure energy inside of us? How does it want to express? And kind of freeing and disentangling it from the places where it's gotten distorted, suppressed, blocked, 
entangled in other forces um, and really to be with it and to back it and to let it move through us fully. That's the Plutonic path. Right, there's other examples I could share, but we'll keep moving on. Psychologically, Pluto relates to our deepest desires and the way that much of our consciousness is organized around these desires. To be in touch with our desire and our nature, we allow the deepest essence to unfold and bloom as it wants to. And this tends to look like magnetism, power, being a force of nature. Often, however, we struggle with our deepest desires as they are also cloaked with our deepest fears, resistances, shame, and entanglements. Herein lays, you know, herein lies the great drama of life is that the deepest thing is also a, a place of our deepest contentions and resistances. Pluto is also a force of merging of sex, such as how the very portal through which we exist in incarnate form was itself sexual, was it a union? Pluto relates to the process of merging and the reality that our life force energy is constantly invested in patterns, ideas, people, fantasies, emotions, relationships, and so on. Right? There's all these deep relationships in the reality. And some of these arrangements are unconscious entanglements, some are compulsive addictions, and some are powerful and mutually enhancing relationships. Right? Like... Um, have you ever had a pattern or a kind of a, an addiction, not necessarily a substance addiction, but maybe um, an addiction to a certain way that you get your nervous system worked up or scrolling on social media or whatever, where it's like you find yourself and you're like, wow, my life force is like really wrapped up in doing this thing and I don't seem to have the willpower or power or energy to really counteract it or it takes a lot to fight it versus how you feel when you're like, you know, in a, um, in a community that you feel really nourished by, like you feel enhanced by being a part of it or you've designed your home in a way that it feels like luxurious and magical and like a sacred retreat. And you just feel so bonded with it in a way that ideas or positive emotions come through the space in a way that you know is the result of the the nest that you've created, right? Um, or you have a relationship with another person. You know, sometimes we're we're super trauma bonded, or we have these um, difficult kind of relational ties with people where unconscious parts are compelled and hooked and we're in a kind of codependency or like um, toxic thing, if you will. Um, and it takes two to tango. I'll just say like some, there are certain situations that are like straight up um, violation, you know, or something is happening, a person is acting upon another. Um, in a lot of cases, there's also that takes two to tango and people are um you know hooking into each other's stuff like someone who has say like some low self-esteem stuff is going to be 
available to be hooked into by another person's critique or like your worthless kind of messaging, right? And as soon as that person with low self-esteem sutures up that space or finds like their own inner resource there, they will be less available if not totally unavailable for that type of relating. Um, So we're either looking at ways that with Pluto, these relationships, these entanglements are a kind of twisted up knot of mutual mutual issues and pathologies or um, what word would I like to use? mutual shadows shadow dancing or there's a sense of mutual enhancement of like wow we just like have the best philosophical conversations and we always both leave feeling super energized or we're like having amazing tantric magical sex and it's really like a healthy relationship or whatever whatever like ways that you can create like mutually enhancing energy with others or whatever you're relating to So Pluto relates to a process by which we grow more intentional and empowered about how we invest and divest energy. Like we have this sacred life force energy and what are we doing with it? Where are we putting it? How are we allowing it to be hooked into? So note that Pluto is one of the outer planets and is a transpersonal force. A lot of Plutonic activity happens under the radar in an unseen undercurrent kind of way. Working with Pluto is often a process of becoming aware of unconscious material and then getting to make conscious choices about how to engage with that material. As long as it is unconscious or subconscious, it has an effect on the psyche that's difficult to work with. These are places we may feel disempowered, like we can't seem to get to the bottom of an issue. Like with other transpersonal forces, not everything is what it seems. A person can feel a deep conviction that they are onto the truth, but be totally wrapped up in a delusion that is their own psychological projection, right? Or a mass theory, collective projection. We can feel that our problems are caused by a person, only to realize some layers deeper that it's greatly our own material as well, or, you know, that we're part of it, that we're implicated in it. And to really work with Pluto is to be investigative and have a series of breakthroughs, transcending previous limitations in awareness and capacity, right? Pluto is a force of evolution. So we're literally evolving our ways of being. And at the edge of evolution is often this kind of life or death kind of feeling of like evolve or die, right? Like this is the the way things are or it will change. Things don't have to be that bad. That's like the ultimate extreme of like, say, being at a rock bottom and then finding, you know, okay, I can't go on like this. I literally won't survive. Um, It can also be more gentle than that. A person could kind of realize at some level, like, you know, I'm not like really feeling deeply connected to myself and I don't feel passionate about much. I need to start investing in my personal development or some kind of passion project and through that process of engaging something they evolve and deepen slowly it doesn't just have to be when we like hit a um a really extreme but with pluto we're having these breakthroughs we're cutting to the bottom line and the bottom line continues to grow deeper you know the places of edge 
continues to expand. At certain times, plutonic material we were previously unable to recognize at a personality or conscious level makes its way to the surface, like lava that has been inside of a volcano, oozing or bursting forth to the surface, right? Oozing for that more kind of slow reveal and bursting for the more like intense like crisis reveal. This can be disturbing or enlivening depending on how we relate to it or the skill sets we have for integrating this level of raw life force energy. Right, like it's just there. The lava in a volcano is there. Um, There are parts of the personality that can try to kind of avoid or repress the deeper material, but the deeper material has an energy, it has a current, and so there's only so long um, that it can remain unseen, right? And it's affecting the surface in its own kind of way. So those who are interested in Pluto are kind of the ones that want to go look underneath see what's happening underneath the hood um, and create transformation from that spot. Um, And then no matter how advanced a person is emotionally or spiritually, there are still new thresholds of evolution that occur within the Plutonic realm of life. We can always go deeper. Okay, so keeping that in mind, then what is Aquarius? Aquarius is a fixed air sign, right? So the fixed modality is the most set in place, it is the most enduring of the modalities, and it relates to energetics that are very dense and in place. Um, and that is uh, helpful in a sense for maintaining patterns. So if you were wanting to create something that really lasts and sticks, the fixed signs are great. But then there's also a sense of like, stagnancy that can come with the fixed energy because that energy is so compact and so fixed in place. So often when we're transforming or changing something related to the fixed signs, it's very systemic. It's very dense. Um, So set in place for better or worse. It's a fixed air sign traditionally ruled by Saturn and associated with Uranus in modern astrology. I teach it connected to Uranus in evolutionary astrology, and in my recent Hellenistic studies, I've started to to see both. Fixed air, to me, calls to mind systems of thinking, ideologies, the internet, or radio stations. For this podcast, there are literally radio station signals and Wi-Fi signals floating through the air in the room I write this from and most likely in the place that you're listening to this from. You know, unless you downloaded this episode and are on a super remote island with no signal, you're catching the signal. This also reflects the reality of there being spiritual or ethereal signals in the air. Downloads, revelations, flashes of insight, the Akashic records, philosophies or masterpieces that are channeled by one who is receptive to the signal. This is a primary image that I like to think about Aquarius from, the radio station, the station of consciousness. There is groupthink, the cultural ethos of the time, top hits on the radio, what everyone's thinking about, what everyone's talking about, as well as more fringe or out there or quiet channels that are accessed more rarely or more uniquely or specifically. 
Aquarius is susceptible to rigidity and limitations in thinking, such as accepting a particular radio channel as it. Like, that's the reality. As well as Aquarius is resourced to zoom way out and get an ever broader, increasingly objective, detached perspective. At higher and higher levels, Aquarius relates to invention and genius. After all, you can channel your own genius, your higher self, your very avatar in this life. So there's a process I see with Aquarius of detachment and also the ways that we are inside of particular matrices of thought, of culture, of our nervous system. And so with Pluto and Aquarius, a really broad and basic entry point we could think about is how certain channels of fixed air are being dismantled, right? Where they're going through a deconstructive or a destructive process and where we are willingly merging our life force energy with a particular channel or pathway and experiencing some kind of new pathway in reality as a result. So there's a few... um, psychological and experiential themes I want us to contemplate. One is the struggle to break through programs. Pluto relates to the epic struggle, the will to persist and survive against the odds. It can relate to the climactic interplay of forces like life and death, good and evil. In Stanislav Grof's work, he has um, compared He's divided up the birth process, like the birth of human babies, into four parts that are ruled by different planets. Um, You know, Neptune is the part where you're just like in the womb. Saturn is the part where the, um, the contractions have begun. And so the womb is getting tighter and there's a restriction that's happening, but the cervix hasn't dilated yet. So it feels like a no exit situation. And then Pluto is the life or death struggle through the birth canal where the baby is making its way through, causing a lot of pain to both mother and baby, Um, right? And this baby's semi-aquatic womb world has now become an epic struggle for which the baby has no mental or, you know, conceptual understanding. So it's just a kind of intense experience. birth is happening but there's a massive struggle to get there and it's not without risk so that's the pluto part and then when you're on to the other side it's a whole new world the birth has happened he compares that to uranus so in plutonic experiences we can find ourselves in those epic battles right of nature whether it's an internal war of different like warring parts of the psyche right like different parts of our personality or different impulses, different drives, vying for different ways to be. Um, Or we've recruited other external characters into the drama or trauma. Or someone else is attempting to recruit us in theirs and we face the places that we're vulnerable or available to hook into it, right? And so for the purpose of this conversation, I'm not talking about such extreme cases of power over abuse where there's um, really no agency on one person's part and there's this like other force completely acting upon them. I'm talking about where 
two are interacting. So in this, um, for example, if someone is like trying to shame you, shame on you, you know, and like telling you how terrible you are. And if you've already done a lot of inner um, work on accepting yourself in the very place, you know, um, like I have a friend, one of her stories is coming to mind where it's like she was at, um, I feel like it was like a lake or something where people often get naked. Um, but she's like full on naked and this person is like, sees her and is just like shaming her for being naked at the lake. And how, you know, you can imagine in that where it's like another person is just like yelling at you, you're so terrible, How you know, and is that sinking into your soul? Is there a part of you that's like, I am terrible? Or are you just like, I'm, you know, not available? Or like, ouch, like this is like uncomfortable, but I can alchemize and shake this off. Like I'm fine kind of thing, right? And so thinking about like how um, within the undercurrents and the energetics of interactions, people are hooking each other into their dramas, you know, of like, um villainizing other people or feeling victimized like these different ways that we um get messy in the undercurrent if we're applying this to the realm of fixed air programs systems of thought and the nervous system this kind of struggle you know these these warring forces we can think of the ways that people um interact with systems of thought or nervous system patterns, right? Like even so far back as like parts of our brain, parts of our actual brain hardware that are like part of survival consciousness and create a sense of feeling threatened when there isn't really a threat present. A lot of people have done the evolutionary work Right? They've engaged having some practice of regulating their nervous system so that they have more capacity to act from a place of centeredness instead of being pulled off center and thrown into the, a part of the brain that's in immediate fight or flight. Right? That's an example of evolution that people are actually engaging. Um, but we can think of the ways that people are likewise consumed by particular ideas or nervous system patterns or programs and whether they make it through to the other side that's the the struggle through the birth canal that i'm likening it here to at a level of unconsciousness people are susceptible to things like propaganda or the cultural ills of the times right the group think without thinking critically people uh, personally are susceptible to their own nervous system patterning that keep in place certain realities and patterns. So that's the trapping. That's the, the labyrinth, the maze, the matrix, if you will. And then Pluto and Aquarius would be like the evolutionary process of opening past that. And I think it's more complex than just you know, freeing our minds, you know, because sometimes people think they're engaging freedom, but they're still wrapped up in a really deep psychological complex. Um, and I can speak from experience in that if you listen to like, 
I believe it's the second episode of this podcast, I had a really massive spiritual awakening that resulted in, um, you know, I had a dream where I got the message to speak all the time without filter and that it would set me free. Um, I was having a lot of like awareness of early life trauma and not any kind of extraordinary trauma even, but just trauma, my own system. And I didn't have like intellectual frameworks for really understanding it. So the conclusions that I was making were not altogether perfect. The way I was speaking, my parents thought that I was mentally ill. They were supporting me financially. They had me see a psychiatrist and I wasn't able to finish college until I faked my way through the psychiatric thing. Um, As I was kind of unpacking that after the fact of being like, you know, I had some really genuine magical experiences and I don't believe the diagnosis. I don't believe in this paradigm, but I know I was like not perfect in everything I was doing or saying. So where was I off? And I think that part of like, you know, where I was at is like, I was waking up to this sense of like, we're in a matrix and food is poison. Like everyone's eating poison, which to some extent, like there is a lot of poison and toxic stuff. Um, But I was like a little bit like unhinged or like off about it. And why I'm sharing this is I just think that even though I was like, really onto something and I was like freeing myself of something in my psyche and like a way that I was like relating to reality I wasn't fully through the gate I didn't have like full integration and I was speaking with a lot of conviction and intensity that was very charismatic some people were enchanted other people were like terrified of me um and it was just like this whole thing and I think of people that are like really deep into conspiracy theories and the way that they're into it, it's like they've got some kind of psychological thing going on and they're projecting it onto reality in this way. Um, Like I once knew someone who there was this way that they would spend a lot of time thinking about these conspiracy theories involving like aliens and aliens in the government Um, But when it came to directing that life force energy into like making a stable life for themselves, they just couldn't really. And so they were using a lot of energy to like think about these like epic like alien battles and stuff, but it wasn't translating to them actually like taking care of anything on the ground in their own life. But because they were so convicted about like what they were seeing and that they knew the truth, you know, like it was like they were trapped in that. And so when I'm talking about making it through the gate of patterns, it's like some of these psychological nervous system patterns or whatever of like, the world's out to get me, my nervous system's all ramped up, I have these chemicals running through my body, like, yeah, like this is the reality, like it's not always what it seems. Um, And so I think that the deeper intelligence of Aquarius would be having integration, right, where this deeper illumination and sense of vision that we have about how reality is that deeper objective perspective translates to something that's actually true and connected and on point and not just like some very compelling side reality that we're like really invested in
So Pluto in Aquarius can relate to a certain revolutionary impulse emerging from within where we want to break free from these matrices, these nervous system patterns, these cultural models of thought um, that we've inherited or that, you know, are just part of our bodies or part of our culture. And there's like Pluto and Aquarius is like, let's let's be free. And there's paradoxically both the energy to accomplish this as well as the obstacle, the most embedded, stubborn, fixed pathways in our bodies, in our nervous system, in the reality. So we may be drawn to, we could be drawn to, and with Pluto, there's often a process that we are magnetically attracted to either things that continue to perpetuate our patterns and we have awakenings through playing these things out, um, or we're magnetically attracted to something that holds a medicine for something else. Like we're like, you know, a book or a teaching or a person or an experience is like a glimmering, like, oh, I want to move toward that because I know it's going to fucking change my life, right? So we could be drawn to teaching systems of thinking, experiences, people, etc., that help us disrupt these programs or these patterns and learn other frameworks that actually empower us. It's really interesting, like systems of consciousness or radio stations. It's like if you're tuning into a particular radio station, it's going to have a set of consequences, ways that it may empower or disempower you, right? Like if you're really tuned into um, world news, you know what's going on in a way where you, you maybe can like have an intelligent conversation about it with other people and there may be ways that your emotional like nervous system your emotional system has digested maybe more than you know how to deal with as an example or if you tune into a radio station of consciousness around ecstasy and bliss um love that channel you know like there's a empowerment of that and there's also its own psychological you know the more joy we feel the more high we get there's other parts of the psyche that compensate or other shadow or not even just shadow but like um unfelt grief or like stuff in our subterranean world that comes up it's like oh now there's energy you know like there's um i think i'm getting on a little bit of a tangent here so let me try to get back to what I was saying. Oh, that the stations of consciousness or the systems, the frameworks that we think about can have ways of empowering or disempowering us. And so if we're gaining, I think Pluto and Aquarius could be like, how are we learning how to think in a way that's helping us expand and at a cultural level, I think one of the shadows that, um, you know, this is a very sci-fi kind of time in the sense that there's like all of this AI and new technology and there's these technological breakthroughs that have like existential implications or moral implications. And part of like speculative fiction or sci-fi, it's like we imagine worlds based on these, these technologies. Um, and... You know, I'm disturbed personally by 
like because I'm an astrologer and I have like a relationship with the planets and I see them as these really sentient spiritual beings that like talk to me in my dreams or talk to me through events like they're so real and alive um not just in some fantasy world to me it's like I have a relationship with them and when I meet someone who's like doesn't believe in like the magic only believes in say like science and what can be proven and I'm not trying to be like anti-science here but there's a certain arrogance or dominance or like these threads that come into science that I don't like right same as like when I had an external authority figure structure of power tell me that the way that I have emotions is wrong right that I'm too emotional that I have too high highs and too low lows and that I need medication for it when actually it's part of my gift and power and like embodiment and essence that I have that type of emotional range and I've learned how to work with it separate from a particular system that wanted to infantilize me and create a kind of um, structure over my experience that I just don't fucking resonate with, right? I'll always have fire about that one. Um, So when someone is in that state of consciousness, they don't think the moon is sentient. They don't think it has anything to do with people's emotions, right? That's all just bullshit to them. But they want to travel to it and harvest it and take its resources to benefit them without any reciprocity or relationship to the moon. Yeah, that fucking upsets me. So there's something about like technology. And I think that that will be like more of a like a cultural conversation of like the power of technology and where that power becomes extractive or abusive or is out of touch with natural law or with nature um, and where it's actually like a really profound leap in evolution Um, but yeah little tangent there so that's a, a cultural one but you can also think about your own systems and paradigms within and where you have things that you're wanting to dismantle right and things that you're wanting to healthfully or meaningfully construct got a lot more that i want to share with you about pluto and aquarius but i'm going to leave it here as a part one and in the next um, i'll share a few more things about the connection between the upper and lower chakras right so like our that dynamic relationship between upper high elevation upper chakra third eye crown and like the root right or the depths the underworld um that's something i've been meditating on a lot i'll talk about soul fracturing and coming back online like retrieving or reintegrating soul fragments And I'll talk about alienation, being different, um, and potentially more themes after that. But if you have any thoughts, questions, anything you want to share, any feedback, um, I really love to hear from you. So feel free to DM me on Instagram or comment on the um, place that I post this. yeah, I really would love to know what you're thinking and like what this stirred for you and yeah, anything that you want me to know or think about, any questions. Um, and yeah, and I'm leaving the link 
for Dragon of the Moon Evolutionary Astrology Initiation. For those of you that want to journey with Pluto in your own natal chart, learn how to really work with, understand this planetary energy. Um, the course is also titled after the lunar nodes because that's another major astrological influence that we look into as they relate to personality patterns that our soul has related to. Um, and in this meditation, there's so much unraveling and opening around how we can make a good home for our soul in this incarnation and get clarity on how we've tended to do that before and where the opening is, like what our soul is really wanting to bring into being in this particular life. And having this system or this framework, um, it's just been such an ally for me since I learned it and it's just continued to create openings and pathways for me to be more embodied and connected and in tune with this life. Um, and so that's what I hope to transmit and share and invite you into whatever the process is meant to be for you. Because when we go looking for soul, that's a deeply unique journey for everyone. Um, and so how it's meant to touch your life um, is really between you and the energy that is coming through the course. So that link is in the notes. And again, I love to hear what you're thinking, how you're resonating. And if you want to do that also as a podcast review, I greatly appreciate that. If you write me a review on Apple Podcasts um, and send me a screenshot before you click submit, email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. I'll send you a gift, several videos, a library actually with one um, includes my favorite called Play in the Evolution of Alternate Realities. It's some deeper mystery teachings on Leo and its connection to primordial creativity that we access when we play and how that can create reality right it's it's in the title but one of my favorite things i've ever learned anyway i'm gonna stop here thank you for listening i love you i hope that you're having a beautiful moment of time whenever you're listening to this so much love mm -hmm.